We are going to be learning the Sicha of Parshas Balak in Chelek Yodalud of Lakota Sichas, where the Rebbe is going to relate the Haftorah of this Parsha from Sefer Micha in Tanakh to the actual Parsha itself. And we're going to see how the theme of the entire Haftorah relates to the theme of the entire Parsha's Bolok and how it, this Haftorah and this Parsha teach us how we go about preparing for the coming of Mashiach. So the Rebbe begins by telling us that it is a halachic fact that when we have a Haftorah, the Haftorah of a Parsha must always be similar to the Parsha. And more than that, the Haftorah is, of course, always similar to the conclusion of the Parsha. It comes right after the conclusion of the Parsha. Similarly, in the connection of Parsha's Bolak with the Haftorah. So in the Haftorah, we learn how Hashem says to the Yidin that my nation, remember what Bolak, the king of Moab, wanted to do to you and how he went to Bilam and how Bilam responded to him. And, of course, the whole Parsha is all about the fact that Bolak wanted Bilam to go curse the Yidden, and Bilam indicated that this was not possible when Hashem did not want it, but nevertheless, he tried to curse the Yidden, and of course, Hashem turned it into brachos. But we understand that it is known that the Haftorah is supposed to relate to the entire Parsha that we read. So not only does it relate to the end of the Parsha, where it follows directly from the conclusion, but it must also relate to the entire theme of the entire Parsha. And here we understand that in this Haftorah, which begins with the words, that the remnants of the Jewish people amongst the many nations will be such at the time before the coming of Mashiach in the earliest stages, that one person will no longer put his hope and his faith into another person, but rather with completely putting their faith ultimately in Hashem. And this seems to connect with the end of the Parsha. Now, what are we talking about in this Haftorah? The Haftorah speaks about the earliest times in the stages of Geula, not the time when Mashiach will actually be here and that fact will be established, but not only, not the time when Hashem will, the whole world will become one with Hashem, because the Haftorah indicates that this is talking about a time when there still will be war, there will be wars with the nations, and we're talking about the Jewish people that remain amongst the nations as the wars are progressing. But moreover, we speak in the Haftorah not only about a time when there still will be the nations, and some of the things that are not good for the Jewish people coming from the outside, but we even see within the Haftorah itself that there are, are some negative things amongst the Yidden themselves remaining at that time. As the Novi says, Hashem says, I will cut off all the things of Kishof, magical things that you're not allowed to do. I will cut off your idols. I will rip out the trees that you worship, etc. So we see that at that time there will still be the Ra, the bad, with such a force that we will have to have a divine intervention to get rid of it. As the Pasuk uses very strong words to indicate that Hashem will dissolve and take away the bad, to cut, to uproot and to destroy. Because obviously the Haftorah is talking about the time of the beginning of Geula, when we are still 
undergoing the final preparations for the complete Geula which will follow. Similarly, in the Parsha of Boak, we speak about a similar period of time. Just like in the Haftorah, we talk about what will be directly prior to the ultimate Geula, before we enter Eretz Yisrael, so too in the Parsha of Bolak, we are in a time period where we are getting close to the end of the 40 years, and it, the Parsha concludes in a time just prior to the entry into the land, which is also where the Parsha begins, that the Jewish people are already in Arvos Moab, they're just across from Yericho, where they have to cross to go into the land, literally, and they are ready to enter, just like in the future Geula, we know that once we enter the land with Mashiach, that is the complete Geula. What is going to deeper the preparation for this, so the Haftorah begins, that it will be a time when people will not put their hope, will not put their trust into other people. Even though it is still before the actual complete Geula, but nonetheless, it will be a situation that we will not have to rely on other people, even on other Yidin, as we know from the Novi Yirmiyahu who says, Cursed is the person who puts his trust into man. And we will, at that point, completely put our trust into Hashem. As the Apostolic says, Blessed is the individual who puts his trust in Hashem. So being that the Apostle is talking about the stage that is still the early stage of Geula, the beginning of Geula, so when we say Lo that one man will not put will not hope towards another man for his salvation, the Pasuk is not coming to negate that we will not do things we're not allowed, because we know that Hagever but even not really putting trust in a person completely and wholeheartedly, but putting one's hope into another human being, which really is something that we can do sometimes, at that point in the early stages, just before the goal is complete, it will also not be. So what is this concept of hoping that other people will come to our aid, trusting other people, what is right about it, what is not? So the Rebbe explains like this, that, of course, we know that the Pasuk tells us, Hashem will bless you in everything that you will do. What does that mean? So the Medrash tells us, this is a Pasuk in Chumash Dvarim, so the Medrash tells us, can it be that a person will just sit around and wait to have Parnosa and wait for the Brachos will come and do nothing? So the Medrash tells us, it says, You have to make some kind of vessel, you have to do something to get the Brachos to come. Obviously, according to the Torah, one has to make a keli, one has to make a vessel, one has to make something to hold the bracha, and we are really not allowed to rely on miracles. And being that in the natural order of things, we sometimes do need other people, and sometimes people who are not yidden also necessarily. So obviously, it does make sense sometimes, yekavaleish, because in nature we do work with other people, and we do rely on their positive reactions to us. But this is not a contradiction, apparently, with the fact that the Navi says, cursed is the person who puts his faith in, in another human being. Because when you make a keli, when you prepare a vessel according to the order of nature, we are not really relying on nature to help us, 
But being that we rely on Hashem, and Hashem put into the world such a system that we have to have a keli, and in the keli we sometimes have to rely on other people. And here we have a representation of what will be when the Geula will come, because it says that at that time it will be ketal me'es Hashem. It will be, in our Haftorah it says it will be like dew, which comes from Hashem. What is dew? Dew is not something that we bring down into this world. It's not something that we pray for. We don't ask other people to help us with it. But it comes directly from Hashem all the time. So too, one Yid will not have to hope for another Yid to help him or her, but rather to rely on Hashem. As it says in the Pasuk, Tov ba'odom. It is better to take security in Hashem than to put one's faith into another person. So Tov ba'Hashem. It is better to take to shield oneself in Hashem rather than in a person. So from here we understand that to put one's faith into other people is not necessarily something prohibited. It is something permitted and is a kind of behavior, but it is better to put one's complete trust in Hashem. So what is this all about? So the Rebbe explains that the purpose of our existence and the purpose of our avoda is not that we should destroy nature, but on the contrary, we have to refine nature in such a way to the point where it becomes revealed to everyone openly that nature itself is actually one with Hashem. So from here we can relate it to our subject when it says lo yikave lo ish, that at that time, just before the end of the beginning of the Geula, just before Mashiach will be fully revealed and all those wonderful things will happen and we will go into Eretz Yisrael, at that point we will not lo yikave lo ish, we will not hope to other people. It's not that the other people will not be able to help us, but at that point, nature itself will be such that godliness will be revealed, and we will see that even when we think we are relying on other people, there's no such thing. Really, the whole Yeshua is from Hashem. So now, to get back to where we started, based on the Pesach in Chumash, where it says, Hashem will bless you in everything that we do, that we have to make a keli in order to succeed in Olam Hazeh. So there are two ways to do this. The first way is that although a person knows that nature on its own does not really have its own identity, nature is only, like to use the terms of the Nov, to, to, to use the terms of the Pesach, like an axe in the hand of the one who was chopping the wood. Nonetheless, being that Hashem commanded that we have to do things in this world to acquire whatever we need, we have to have a keli in the ways of nature. So nature has occupied some kind of place in our minds, but not because nature itself is great, but because Hashem commanded us to work within nature. So nature must have some kind of importance in our existence. Then there is the other level that we do everything within nature because we are within nature and this is what Hashem wants, but nature does not occupy such a place in our lives because we see and we feel that nature is only a means to fulfill what Hashem wants, but in itself it really has no purpose or advantage or benefit for us. And this is what it means. We have a posuk 
that is uh, brought down in the Navi Yeshaya, which says, very famous posuk, Vahoya Emunasi Techa, Chosen Yeshuos, Chachma Vadas, Yeres Hashem, He It's a posuk where the Navi says that there will be a time that our very existence and the, every moment of our existence and of our time will be based on our appreciation of Hashem and on His strength. And everything really depends on learning Torah, knowing Hashem through Torah, fearing Hashem, and fear of God. That is the greatest treasure that we have. So if we look into this posuk, there are many interesting commentaries on it. But the point is that the Haya Munas Itecha, time itself, existence itself, is based only on our connection to Hashem. And that's why Chazal tell us that this posuk is really a remez for the Seder, for the order of the Mishnah that deals with planting Seder's Rayim, the first one of the six uh, orders of the Mishnah. And what do we see over there? That a person lives by the sustenance of the earth where Hashem blesses his work as he plows and as he plants. And when the person plants, he knows one thing, he knows that Hashem runs the world. He trusts and believes in Hashem, and he plants, and he doesn't have to worry anymore. So even though planting is a natural thing, Hashem put into the earth the property that if a seed is planted, it will grow and it will yield a product, and it doesn't even matter who is the one who's planting, if a yid is planting or a non-yid is planting, or even if a seed just falls into the earth, on its own, that means not that a person put it in, but perhaps the wind blew it in or it fell in by itself. The nature is, Hashem put this property into the earth, that something will sprout and something will grow. And this is in a kind of a way that this is forever. If we go to the story at the end of Parshas Noah, after the marble, Hashem put into the world a system that there's a time for planting and there's a time for harvesting, etc. And this lo yishbosu, this will never stop. As long as the world will exist, this will be the system. Nonetheless, even though Hashem put this natural order into the world, when it comes to a yid, when a yid is planting, he is not doing this. Because when you plant and you put a seed into the earth, there will be a good result. No, but only because he believes in Hashem. So if he believes in Hashem, and the way to live is to plant, he plants. What is the difference between the two ways of working within nature that we mentioned earlier? It's not only in the way one feels his bitachon, one feels his trust in Hashem, but through this, there actually results, depending if we believe that nature is a tool and we use the tool and Hashem wants us to do it, or we believe that nature is really in some kind of way, and it's all about Hashem, and nature does not play such a great role in our lives. So the Rebbe is going to explain here that depending how we look at it, it will affect our practical action, it will affect how we think, it will affect how we speak, and it will affect how we act. Because Hashem will bless us in everything that we do. So if everything that we do is a thing in itself, it's all about our doing something, so nature is important. We're doing something within nature, and then we're doing, so that's one thing, it's about us. And then we also keep Torah mitzvot, etc. 
But when there is a conflict, a seeming conflict between doing Torah, learning Torah rather, and doing mitzvot, and business matters, or rather conducting ourselves within the parameters of nature, for example, a person wants to daven at length, wants to daven properly, but then he's concerned that if he's going to take so much time, it may have an adverse effect on some of his business connections. Or a person wants very much to give a lot of tzedakah, but sometimes he can begin to feel that maybe if he gives away so much money for tzedakah, he will lack money for his own things. He will not have enough money to invest in his business or similar matters. So this is similar to what the Pasuk tells us in the story and we learn about the birth of Yaakov and Esau, that Rivka felt that they were constantly fighting one with the other when they were inside her womb. And we learn the words of the Yematz, that the two future Esau and Yaakov, the, few, the two future children and what they represent that will be born, there will be a constant struggle between them. One will, when one will rise, the other will fall. So if a person is able to wave away his connection to nature, knowing that it's the bracha of Hashem that brings the wealth, and the patterns of nature are only vessels and garments uh, to bring this bracha, and he does Torah and mitzvot, but it's, there is always going to be a conflict where one has to overpower the nefesh habahamis. And if that's the case, as long as there is this struggle and not the absolute total understanding that it is all about a locus. sometimes the nefesh abahamis, or the animal part of the person, may be the one to supersede the nefesh alakis. But if the tase, I'm doing it only because that's what Hashem wants, so this itself becomes a means of service. Being with the nature is not a separate entity in one's life that goes along with serving Hashem, but it is part of the actual divine service. Kol ma'asecha, everything he does is for Hashem. Or we know the posok in Mishlei, which says, in every single one of your ways, you must know Hashem. So not that there are our ways, and there is Hashem, and we do it for his sake, but rather everything we do is permeated and penetrated by Shem Shamayim, it becomes one. We and what we do in this world are all part of the Ebeshter. And being that that's how the person thinks, it's understood that a mitzvah can never become a conflict with another mitzvah, but rather the way we are taught by Chachamim, mitzvah go reris mitzvah. By doing a mitzvah, we, it will just lead us to another mitzvah because everything all around us is all alukus. So, how, what is really the difference between these two? So, in actuality, that's not really how it starts out, because the Yetzir Hara comes and convinces a person that he's not allowed to do anything against Hashem's will, only a tiny bit. So, one day the Yetzir Hara will come and say, yes, of course, working in this world is not a conflict to serving Hashem and to learning Torah and to doing mitzvot. But the Yitzhahara comes and emphasizes that there is some kind of chashivus, some kind of significance, some kind of value to nature. But tomorrow it will just veer off this path a little bit more until the person will begin to think that maybe nature is what is most important. Because after all, 
it's with the nature that we have to live and serve Hashem. And the Rebbe quotes here uh, an explanation of the previous Rebbe, of the Maimar Chazal, which says, this is the, this is the skill of the Yetzir Hora. Today the Yetzir Hora says, Asei kach, do like this. The Yetzir Hora will never come initially and tell a person he should go against Hashem's will because the Yetzir Hora knows that that's not going to happen. He just says to the Yid, sure, do like this, do the mitzvot, and how wonderful it is to do the mitzvot, but he keeps coming and mixing in, and slowly, slowly, he gets the person accustomed to listening to the Yetzir Hora, and once the Yetzir Hora sees that the person is following his path, tomorrow he can tell him, go a little bit more off the path. It's really not wrong, it's really right. You're serving Hashem with the nature until ultimately the person will come to worship idols. And therefore, in the way to forewarn oneself not to fall prey to the tricks and trade of the Yetzir Hara, it's not really through a rational approach because our reason does give place for nature. Hashem made a world. He created nature. He put us into nature. He wants us to struggle with it. So we always have some kind of blend between the two. But on the other hand, if a person is able to feel bottled, to feel completely given over to Hashem, where one is able to have Mesiris Nefesh, which goes completely beyond reason, then there is no way that a person sees anything other than Hashem's will and this is, we go back to where we started in the beginning, where we said, Tov lachsos Hashem." the Pesach says in the Novi. It is better to, see, to seek security in Hashem than to seek security in people. What does that mean? If it is better to do this rather than that, so the this is definitely something that's allowed. So what does it mean? It is better to seek security in Hashem than to seek security in people. So now we come to understand that if one lives one's life according to one's intellect, according to the laws and systems around one, one can possibly appreciate the fact that it is possible to put one's trust in Hashem. But if one goes beyond that and one realizes that everything, even this world, even our nature, even our parnasa are really a part of Hashem, then with this Mesiris Nefesh, we will be able to see that everything around us is really a manifestation of godliness. And this is really the preparation for the Geula, for the ultimate conclusion of the Geula, as the Novi says, lo yekave lo ish. We will not have to put any of our hope in man because godliness will be open before our eyes and we will see that there is really nothing other than that godliness. And the Rebbe concludes now by going from the Haftorah, where we spoke about lo yekave lo ish, to an explanation in Hasidus that relates the end of the Parsha with this beginning of the Haftorah, and how it connects to the whole Parsha and the whole Haftorah. So the end of Parsha's Bolog is a sad story of how the Jewish people served the idol that was called Val Pa'or. And they committed Znos, and they committed Avodah and many, many Jews died as a result of that, and Pinchas came and intervened and showed what the truth is all about with this great Messias Nefesh. So what kind of service was this service to the Baal Pa'or? 
So the word pa'ar is from a root which means to reveal, to open up that which is normally covered. And the way they would serve this idol was by revealing themselves and producing waste in front of it. This was the actual service of this uh, idol. Where does such a kind of service come, for, come from by a yid? Because when a person gives some kind of importance, puts some kind of belief and feeling into all kinds of physical and material pleasures without realizing that these physical pleasures are really also a result of the fact that Lamaila and Shamayim, there is the godly pleasure, the ultimate holy pleasure, which is the source for all pleasure. But just like the body, when it has to eat, for example, and the body has to digest the food, and the food ultimately becomes a process in the body, and whatever the body needs to survive and to survive well becomes assimilated in the body, but the waste products have to leave the body. Similarly, we have over here the idea that all these physical pleasures that lead to all these terrible sins, we have to appreciate the fact that they are there only for us to refine and to take out what we need from the beautiful pleasures that this world has to offer us but the rest, we have to know, is not a part of us. How could it be that one can take the physical joys of this world and make an ikar, make a main thing, make something, very, uh, make something of primary importance out of the things that are really meaningless and not good for us? So this comes because in nature there is this kind of system and that is, we become, when we become sunken into these pleasures, we lose sight of what the reality of all existence is, what the reality of all pleasures is. And here we have a very interesting saying of our Chacham, which leads us to the end of the Sicha, that Pinchas was the one who saw Zimri, who was a leader of the Jewish people, sin with the Midianite princess, and he went immediately and he killed them both to make a Kiddush Hashem. And he had tremendous mysterious nefesh for this. And nobody was allowed to stop him because he was really completely bottled to Hashem, if one learns that story. And Chazal tell us about this, that Ad Achshav Lozoz, Pinchas never moved away from that spot where he brought Kapara, he brought atonement for the Jewish people. And until the time of Trias Hamesim, until the ultimate geula in its highest level, he is still standing there and forgiving the Jewish people. In other words, we were never really fully forgiven for this sin. And Pinchas is there with us, waiting to schlep us out of it when Mashiach comes. Because the complete purification and atonement for this sin will only take place, La'asid Lovo, at the times of Mashiach when all of nature will be refined, and then, of course, it will become obvious to everyone in a way that nobody will be able to make a mistake that nature is one, essentially one with godliness, and there will not even be a possibility to take physical and material pleasures, physical and material things which lead to pleasure, and make them into something primary, but mainly the primary thing is a locus, and everything else is there to help us serve Hashem. And therefore, 
the atonement for this is through the Mesiris Nefesh of Pinchas. What kind of Mesiris Nefesh did Pinchas have to the point where nobody was able even to question him? Was this right according to the halacha? Was there, how can you kill somebody without even going to base them, without passing judgment? But his Mesiris Nefesh was so intense and so profound that he risked his life to help the Jewish people survive this terrible ordeal. And this can only come based on something that's completely beyond reason, even the reason of Torah. And as we said before, that only this kind of bittel, only this kind of giving over of oneself to Hashem above any kind of reason is able to help us appreciate the fact that godliness and nature are one thing, even though Torah says Hashem will bless you in everything you do. But it depends what is the channel that leads to the doing. If it's a profound belief in Hashem, then everything becomes godliness. If it's a belief that there is Hashem and there is also nature, then the story is a little bit different. Nature is there, but it is part of the locusis, the way Hashem wanted the world to be. And now we conclude, and everything will fall into place. We said that the entire Parsha is the story of Bilam being asked to curse the Yidden by Balaam and how he reacts to it, and how ultimately he blesses the Yidin, and ultimately the Yidin sin through an Eitzah that Bilam gives, etc. So we are talking about the entry into Eretz Yisrael just before we enter the land. This is literally the end of the story, almost, of the 40 years of the Yidin in the Midbar. And in the Haftorah, we are talking about the entry into Eretz Yisrael with Mashiach ultimately after the Chorban. So what, what, how do we put these things together? So let's go back to the story of the Midbar. We were in the Midbar for many years. How were we sustained in the Midbar? We had the man. What was the man? The man was something miraculous which came from heaven and nobody was able in any way to infer from this man that this is something that comes from people. Uh, it was so miraculous, one who took more than he was supposed to ended up having the amount he was supposed to have. One who took too little ended up having the amount that he was supposed to have. The man only lasted for one day, and all the other stories we know about it. So we knew that the only way that this sustenance, this nourishment would come to us would be a total and complete trust in Hashem, Dvar Yom Biyomo, we knew every night that the next day it would come and no human intervention played any role in this whatsoever. But once we are going to enter the land, we also knew that we would have a different kind of life. We would no longer live like Malachim. We would no longer live like angels in heaven, but we would have to settle the land. We would have to fight wars. We would have to work hard to have Parnassah. We would have to plow and plant and do everything we do in the kind of life that we know. So it had to first be established that the idea of Balpa'or, that we are starting a life, that we are involved in nature. But even at that time, we should not, the Navi starts to have Torah, we should know that nature itself exists only because that's what Hashem wants it to be. And in our time as well, once we're living a life of people, a life of human beings having to struggle in this world, we need the exact 
same kind of bitachon. We have to have the exact same trust in Hashem that we will have our parnosa and we will have all our needs like we have in the Midbar. And this, of course, relates the beginning of the Haftorah to the end where we go to the story of Bilam, and we also see how the Haftorah uh, connects to the last part of the Parsha, where we talk about Bilam, and how it connects to the whole story of the end of the 40 years in the Midbar. And this is the lesson for us in the last days of our Golos, when we are literally preparing to finally enter the land with Moshiach. Even though the Golos is still dark, and we don't even see that the Golos has begun in many ways, as we see there are still very many difficulties in the world. And we also know, as the Altarebbe writes in Tanya, that everything about the future life with Moshiach depends upon our deeds and our avoda for the entire duration and time that we are in Golos. And especially in our generation, the Rebbe says, when we are making the last preparations for the Gula with Moshiach, the Rebbe says, as the Friedrich Rebbe says, that Moshiach is standing, Achar Kosleinu, he's right there behind the wall, as the, as the Pasuk tells us in Shir Hashirin, and that the walls of Golos are beginning to burn, as the Rebbe writes, Friedrich Rebbe writes, so there has to be something resembling this in our lives, as the Haftorah tells us, each one of us in our own personal avoda has to live or try to live the kind of life where we don't put our trust in man and we don't put our trust in the paths of nature that if we plant something will grow but rather our trust is in Hashem we plant because Hashem made this part of nature but we know that it will not come through our work it will come through our belief and giving over of ourselves and total dedication to Elokos and to Torah. And this way, the Rebbe says, every single individual becomes redeemed from his and her own worries and all kinds of things that obstruct one's path to do the service of Hashem as well as one can. Because if we fulfill Bechol Asher Tase, we have to do what we have to do because that is what Hashem wants. That's the only reason why, not because we could really do anything. And therefore, we will not be so troubled and so bothered and so disturbed by the things that present themselves to make life a little bit difficult for us. But if it's only because we want to do the will of Hashem, and therefore, each one of us will experience a geula protis, a private, personal, redemption and this will be the preparation and the vessel to the general redemption for all of us through Mashiach Tzidkenu and we will finally be able to live and experience the Yom Shekulo Shabbos Umnucha L'chayi HaOlamim as Chachamim tell us the times of Mashiach will be a day that is completely Shabbos complete tranquility free of worry forever and ever may Hashem help that this should happen speedily in our time. Thank you.